To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Well, good morning, everybody. Top of the morning to you is another beautiful day in the Backyard Gardens podcast world. And we've got breaking news. Absolute breaking news. There are new plant zone maps, people. Isn't that crazy, Batavia? I don't know. I'm going to just do it further. Yeah. yeah. That that deserved that kind of <laughs> faulty bail. Yeah. Um, before we... Re- and we're also going to talk about our... Um, our fails a day, as you can probably see from the title, because, you know, not every year is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get into do, I have a couple announcements real quick. One, um, first of all, thank you for listening to us. Two, there is um, new products. We have hats now in our store. And I figured since inflation was going up and everything was getting more expensive, we would lower all the prices. So there's no coupon codes, but everything is less expensive. So come check that out. Uh, They did some weird stuff with it, but don't worry about that. And also, if you want to become a member, uh, you can join us on Patreon at Backyard Gardens, or you can join us through Apple subscriptions and also Facebook at Backyard Gardens Community Garden. I got it. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's a bail. That's a bail. Let's see here. Plant zone map. I just want to spend a few minutes on this because you know it's not every day we get a breaking news. What the last update of it was in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was reading that apparently, which is perfect for this show, half of the country went up a half a zone, and the other half of the country roughly stayed the same. So, did you change your zones, Batavia? No, I was hoping that for your uh, OG listeners, you'll, you'll know this reference. I was hoping that somehow I ended up in 6B to perhaps justify my rant a couple of years ago. Uh, but no, I've recommended, I've remained, excuse me, uh, in 6A as an apple. And I went up to 6B. So, there you go, half the country. Yeah, I uh, well, I don't know if that's exactly how it works when you say half the country, like one half, one side of the country went up, is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know. Or like half of the states, like 25 states went. Anyway, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I did some poking around, and you think about this, and they've published this as of in November is when um, you know, it became the latest breaking in the gardening world. Uh, but clearly, we have been living in these different air quote zones for mm-hmm. a couple of years, minimally. You know, I mean, you know, this is all the average, you know, but it's not like just as of November, you know, you are getting warmer and colder, right? Yeah. Or but I guess warmer in general. You know what's interesting Since to me? We moved up. Mm-mm. We moved up a zone, but last year our temperatures went below our zone, our new mm-hmm. zone. And that just goes to show that averages aren't the end all to be all. Yeah, it's a single year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so if you have something and it's like it can live in 8A and then you get down to 7B temperatures one night, guess what? That could be lights out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is that. I mean, let's be complete. And we've done a show on this. You can go check it out. I think it was a couple months ago. I don't know when it was, but... um. The zones don't really make a flip about growing food. It just doesn't matter. 
what matters is your um, first and last frost date, which mm-hmm. I imagine we should probably keep an eye on because they will probably change to an extent, but also your day-to-day weather. Um, that's what really matters. Unless you're growing flowers and perennials and stuff like that. then So my uh, first frost date shifted. So it was like the 28th or 29th of October. And last year, so coming into this year when I searched for it, it's now November 1st. Now we got our first frost like a day before, and which, you know, it's all you know the same. I'll add on to the idea of perennial. So there's some things that, you know, are vegetables that are perennial or herbs. You know, so you'll hear some people say things like, oh, this is supposed to be perennial in my area. Right. You remember how I talked about um, oregano? And I planted it in a not ideal place because I didn't realize it would return. Right. You know, there are people that are in lower zones that oregano doesn't return year over year for them. You know, Um, so I think that there are a handful of crops where that matters. But I think absolutely more importantly, it is your first and last frost date, those average dates. And it is the temperature surrounding those dates. I saw someone in Minnesota who's in zone three and they talked about having their average first frost like in September. She literally still had tomatoes yeah, because they've had 50 degrees to 80 degrees. She, she protected them for that period of time, but they've had between 50 and 80 degree temps since that first frost you know yeah. like, so those are the things that if that's normal for them those are the things that are critical to understanding your garden so they no need to do a mad dash to pull those things out similar to what your experience is sometimes if you can get over the hump um well i mean so, yeah, you know I mean, we had a frost and then we've been in the 80s and 70s and 50s and at night you know maybe we've gotten yeah. the 40s a couple times so you know it's like we had to make it through that one frost but then after that, you know, I mean, and not everything got bit by it. It wasn't even that bad of a frost. Yeah. So I'm actually, now, as you speak, I'm trying to look up the f- latest published frost date for my area. And I'm having a hard time. But go ahead. Okay. As you search the internet, um, go to the black net. Is the dark net? The dark web? Dark web, yeah. Clearly, I've not been there. Um, That's so good. I was looking at this up recently, you know, and it's just not about the whatever that coldest temp is. It's about how much heat. So I had this, um, I think it was in my last full garden tour on YouTube. I gave an update on a single tomato that in my September, beginning of September garden tour, I said, all right, it's a flower. Let's see if this gets a chance. Maybe it was like a, the bud of a tomato. Let's see if this gets a chance to produce. So then... Two months later, it was a tomato smaller than that variety was supposed to produce, but rock solid, hard as a rock and green, green. Right. And so two months seems like a long time to not produce something. Right. Yeah. You know? But when you look at my temperatures for those two months, September to October, there was just not enough heat, not enough days above probably that 50 to 60 degree mark consistently for that thing to do anything other than what it did. I took it off as a green tomato and it's on my dining room table ripening now. I just found um, something that was interesting. I went to um, plantmaps.com, plantmaps.com. And um, one thing I've noticed through all of this breaking, late breaking, world earth shattering gardening news that we've brought to you today because we're so awesome is nobody has their maps and websites updated to the new map yet right (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is fine 
And the government map, for whatever reason, like I've been trying to post it on the Facebook group. Somebody actually posted a snapshot of it, but I want to put the actual map on there. But the website's broken or mm-hmm. something's going on with, I don't know. Anyways, I went to plantmaps.com. And I mean, these people, they're smart. They put in um, my average frost date. They put a range in. So they're covered. They got it covered, baby. They, you know what I mean? So like mine is November 1st to November 10th. And that is about right. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be continuous frost after frost after frost like some areas get, you know, and then my average last frost is average one to April one to 10. And that's all that's good because that's a sounds a little bit off. Maybe this has been updated. I don't know. But I know coming in March and stuff like that, we will have less and less frost, but there's still a chance of it. So um, I like that they have the range in there. I'm going to keep trying to find and see if we can so the, see the, place the changes. I go to, yeah, it's um, Farmer's Almanac Frost Dates is what I would search in Google. And then that's the place that I most commonly go to. Now, I do some, like I'll search some like, university level sites within Illinois and get different numbers. Mine has continued to be for this last year, April 17th for the spring and November 1st for the the fall. I was very curious about if they showed like 2023, 2012. I think it was 1995 before that. I I didn't. I mean, so clearly you all are hearing this (laughs) mid-December. And while it's late breaking, it's been out of muff. So you can put together, you know, when we're recording this particular episode. Uh, But I'm curious about that, but I didn't care to spend that much more time, right? You know, to dig back. Cause I, people have said in my videos in current years, recent years, I thought Chicago was zone five. And I remember at that time, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a stickler about like, I just don't want to put false information out and correct information out. Um, and I remember searching at that point in the 1995 or 1993, whichever it was, map did have me in the same house in zone five something, you know, in the 2012 map moved me to zone 6A. Uh, so, you know, there's that. Um, Leonard, I got a project for you. We, you need to research the different, the way the first and last frost switched for the areas. Just do um, Batavia and my area so we can try and compare them over the years. Let's see if maybe uh, we can come back with that, especially when it comes to seed starting time and stuff. I, I'd like mm-hmm. to see that information. Um, it's going to clearly take a little bit of digging, um, mm-hmm. but I think we can do it because I do know that Leonard is pretty good at doing like spreadsheets and stuff. So mm-hmm. he may be able to come up with some kind of 10 year average or something. Um, it might be a little bit more research than we want to do, but I think it would be interesting to see how this stuff has changed over the years. Because I know, like I said, even though I went up a zone, well, half a zone, I'll start partying when I get to nine, eight B and eight A. It's whatever, man. But last year, not even 365 days from the moment that I'm speaking, less than that, we were below that number. So it just is crazy to me. You know what I mean? And I think the plant zones are just such an overutilized yeah. map for people that grow food. It's so much more important to know your weather day by day. I was looking on a fig forum. Look, I, I don't even grow. I, I do have a fig tree, but it's pitiful. 
It's about six inches tall. Maybe um, it's because you're not taking your uh, your plant zone serious. Maybe that's well, it, maybe mister. I'm not. Son of a billy goat. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they were like, everybody check your zones. Time to update your profile or whatever. And um, they were some of the people were awesome. They were just like, who gives a crap about it? It was like day to day, man. That's how I live my life. Day to day. You know, I mean, look. You can't put in a perennial if you're gonna if you're in zone eight or in zone four and you need zone eight as a minimum clearly. But as far as vegetables go, varieties will do different things in different areas, and knowing your weather will help you match the variety to get where you want to go. So there you go, everybody. Check your zones. I'm gonna have to um, on the old YouTube have to really get used to saying. 8B in North Carolina <laughs> might just have to go to eight because you know in ten years it may go down. It may go back down, you know, because I believe that weather is cyclical, and what we're trying to do is just a finite amount of time in the grand scheme of the planet. So there is that. All right, All right. So before we get into the i think this is a really good time to tell you guys about the planter app because we're coming into a planning period and we're talking about our garden fails today and i think if you take advantage of the offer below and use the planter app we may be able to minimize these fails and help ourselves with it so planning is this is the time of year to do it this app's amazing it's got drag and drop interface. It's in a square foot gardening build, so you can put in thousands of varieties. You can check out what's companion and combative. You can read about your stuff. It even has your first and last frost dates. And hopefully, I have to see, maybe the, I bet the next update will have the new zones in there. I guarantee, I almost guarantee <laughs> it because it seems like something you'd be on top of. So it'll probably have your updated zone in it. Um, it's a very fun app to use. A longtime supporter of the show. We love using it. And we've been talking about it a lot because this is the time of year to be planning your entire next year's garden and building multiple profiles. Check it out on Google and Apple Play Store. No, Google Play and Apple Store. Ooh. Uh, it's P-L-A-N-T-E-R. Yeah, merger. <laughs> and uh, you can use it on your phone when you're at the doctor's office and you can go back, use it in your tablet at night like I do. Or you can sit down on your computer and get down and dirty and just make a big old map, a big old plan, not a map. So check out the planner app, everybody. I'm almost certain I didn't tell you that this, and that's what makes this eerie. So I was at the doctor's yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that moment where you're waiting, you know, you go from the big waiting room to the little waiting room and you're still waiting. And I was quite literally updating my um, 2024 garden design, right? And when I was driving home, I had an aha moment which I'll tell you about once we get into what failed because it's a way to overcome one of the things that failed. And you got this, how did you get this? So the aha moment just came to me. Sometimes my brilliance just pops up in my head. That happens. Um, But I was so happy to be able to come back home and quickly make the notes you know, because sometimes I have this happens when I'm asleep and I wake up and, you know, I'm up for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh, please remember this good idea that you just came that just came to you. But I was able to come home and then make adjustments based on, you know, from the time that I had updated the design from the doctor's office to the time that I drove home to account for what I think I what I know what I will be doing next year. Um, so it's eerie that she said, you know, as the doctors, you can make. Yeah, I did. Well, you mm-hmm. know, the reason why I said that. So um, I'm going to 
truth moment here because everybody's going to see it soon. I've got this thing on my eyelid that I've got to get cut off soon. It's kind of gross. And that's why I've been wearing sunglasses a lot because I don't want the focus to be on my face instead of what I'm doing. But anyways, it's got to come off. I'm going to have a big black eye for a couple weeks. And they had me sitting. They had me in the waiting room. They took me in the exam room. And then they stuck me in a chair in the hallway. And there was like all these people lined up. And all I could hear was like YouTube, TikToks, just, you know, and it was super aggravating. I was just sitting there on my phone doing that. It was nice and quiet and peaceful. And I should, next time I'm bringing some headphones so I can listen to some music because it was terrible. But um, yeah. So, all right, Batavia, you know, I, this is a yearly thing for us. We do this at the end of every year. We start with our fails and we go into the next episode will be our wins, which is always good to end on. But. This is a painful one to talk about. I feel like I'm yeah. airing all my dirty laundry. And this is where I hope the OGs, like it's that men in black light that I want to flash right now. Yeah. Because you will hear some repeated fails here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying? Because, you know, learn that lesson again. Yeah. Right? You know, I wish I didn't have to learn that lesson again. Um, and I have, right? And some of this will tie into our beginning of the year episodes when it comes to, you know, new garden season goals as well. But yeah, because yeah, I'm, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. painful. You know, I am very happy to be at this point in the year where I'm able to reflect. Because there is a moment of like excitement when I get to say, okay, this is what next year is going to be like. Like, am I most informed right in between these seasons? Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I am. So my plan for me and giving my fails. Um, oh wait, we have all someone. Did we meet our garden goals? Don't we? That we set at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hate that one too. Yeah, because I can never remember <laughs> my goals. Leonard, you better oh, magically forget mine. Um, so yeah, I, what I'm going to try and do is start in the spring and then work my way through the year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to accomplish that appropriately, but, mm -hmm. um, we'll see how that goes. So, um, all right. And, in, in tradition and Southern hospitality, Batavia, you go first, ladies first. I could accept that <laughs> or I could say you just set me up to stumble through at the beginning of all of these types of episodes, <laughs> but I will, I will receive it as I appreciate, you know, the, the gesture. Um, so my first fail and I could join you and say, let's start in the spring, but I failed all throughout the year with this. Yes. It started in the spring. I love right? it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, seed starting. Oh, I was going to guess is, it, but I guess I would have been wrong. Yeah. Well, you knew that was one of them. You just didn't know if I would have that as the first, right? I have one that I, I know that you're going to say, mm -hmm. but I'm going to hold off. Seed starting. It was like, you know, kind of an avalanche as far as failure, right? You know, so I definitely, I started a lot of things in my garden. And looking back, there are probably 10 different vegetables that I just didn't get done like I didn't plant as much or plant at all but there are a bunch more like all of my tomatoes I started from seed all of my peppers except the one pepper transplant that I bought that you know didn't perform well but I had you know I don't know probably 70 80 pounds of peppers if I had to guess how did you plant um, all your peppers if you, you bought a pepper I bought one single pepper plant because sometimes I can't help myself. Yeah. And how did all you, of my pepper plants went out very, very small. But if you had to cut your arm off to pay for the pepper, how did you work in your garden? 
Because I had another arm and I hopped around on the other leg that I still had. Um, so, you know, I, the, um, I finally got kale, you know, started, you know, and this is separate and apart from the seeds that, you know, brassicas that I struggle starting with. I'm, that's not even on my fail list, right? Just one more year of struggling. I'm talking about starting peppers and tomatoes. I think maybe in April I started them. Yeah. Right? You know, so I came out of the, you know, the gate in January with starting lettuce way too early. Then I got to starting some other plants and brassicas that didn't do well. And February into March is, is really when I should be starting seeds in earnest. And I, for a number of different reasons, unrelated to the garden, actually, I stumbled through that. I could never pick myself back up. When I finally did, I said, okay, I'm going to get these things started. Tomatoes, I knew would be fine because they are fast growers. Peppers, I was like, Ugh. I mean, I'm talking about my peppers were getting planted with like three true leaves yeah (laughs) they were they were embarrassingly small now they did what they they were supposed to do and i was this is one of the best pepper years i had um but you know april may i'm trying to think when i went back to start seeds again i think i started seeds again in somewhere late summer or something like it was my, my the intention was to basically be starting seeds almost every month, you know, maybe out of routine. But I did have a lot of things I wanted to grow. And not only did I fail with starting seeds indoors, I struggled with direct sowing as well. You know, so that's but I don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. So what are you going to do to rectify that situation? I'm going to revisit a previous goal, which is on a calendar starting seeds well i've said starting seeds every month before i don't know if i've said put it on a calendar i have officially stopped pretending that i can be casual around gardening and i know what you're thinking whole garden podcast whole garden youtube and social media presence what do you mean you're, you're casual yeah i i wing a lot that. of this I'm not from a timing that. standpoint Right. I give myself a lot of opportunities to say, oh, not today. OK, maybe tomorrow, you know, you know, really looking for some really, really ideal conditions, really, really ideal conditions. And I just have to, like, again, follow the schedule, like hard stop. Yeah. Um, if I get into that routine in the late winter, early spring, I'm confident that the rest of the year will be fine. But as soon as I kind of get off. I don't throw the entire baby out with the bathwater, but I tend to say, all right, now this thing becomes bigger than what it really should be. Yeah. Um, I, so first of all, I don't, wasn't judging you for being your term casual that you use. I don't, you know, I think. I didn't take it that way. Huh? I didn't take it that way. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the thing is, is, um, and I, I've, firmly believe this everybody's garden is there. I don't care if you have 50 YouTube channels and all that stuff like it's your garden you do what you want in it when you want to do it so I respect that but um I got you boo I got you this is your year okay <laughs> thank that's, you that's all I'm gonna say this is your year 2024 Batavia is gonna it's just gonna be amazing for her I can feel it and by the way I, I gotta tell you I like your hat today Oh, thank you. Make me wish I had one on. Yeah, I feel um, I feel kind of sporty slash, um, you know, like cool. Like yeah. I could roll you up, look cool. you know, and yeah, like, you know, the young folks would stop and listen to what I have to say. Yeah. You yeah. Know? 
so yeah, that's definitely. I used to work. This is I've had this hat forever. I used to work with a lady, and she saw me. We were good friends. She saw me, and she's like, "You think you're cool, don't you?" I'm like, "Yep." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that it still radiates. From still me. radiates. Still radiates. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. But my first fail this year was um my onions and more well, my onions. So. Um, when I planted them and if you've watched my YouTube channel, you know, cause I've talked about it, but if you haven't, well, first of all, you should, but, um, I planted my garlic in the front row and my onions behind it and my garlic outgrew my onions and shaded my onions. So I didn't end up getting as big of onions as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it would be that big a deal, but when you think about it, onions stay in the ground here for like seven months and that's a lot of waste time. You know what I mean? Wasted time and effort. So, and I mean, I got onions. I got, I planted 96 onions last year and I probably harvested 85, but they were not large onions like they should be. You know, we're talking, these should be half a pound to a pound onions for what we're growing. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, you know, as I was looking at it, two things happened with the onions. One, I definitely shaded them out. But the other thing was I let the weeds kind of get out of control. It was like, it's it's crazy. And this is kind of, you know, all of this will kind of tie, everything in gardening ties back to these zone maps and weather and stuff like that. But in the wintertime, it's not that big a deal because there's not a lot of weeds growing and stuff like that. But man, I'm telling you, there was like a time in the year when like, bam, all of a sudden, I just had weed pressure like come out of the woodworks and I could not keep up with it because my onions were starting to bulb and I was like hesitant to pull up weeds around them and disturb the roots and stuff like that. So I definitely, it, you know, it wasn't a total failure, but it was pretty damn close. Um, it just wasn't what I expected and what I wanted to come out of my garden. So um, mm-hmm. this year I did the exact opposite is I planted the garlic out back or in the back row and the because I want to plant them in the same. I want to keep the family together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put the onions in front, but I'm also going to succession. sow the onions this year. So I put one row of onions in already at the same time I planted. And then as those grow and the next crop comes out, I'll put the next row of onions in and as the next, and you know, so on and so forth until I'm done. And I grow them all in one bed for right now. But if that makes a difference, then I'll know that that was the true. I think is a multi-process failure on my part. It was shading and weeds, and there's just not much. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know. Yeah, plant spacing and then um, shading like that is a hard lesson for me to learn over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a part of it is you know. So I was um, thinking about. 2024 am I planting it as of this recording when you hear this it will be planted but as of this recording I've not planted my garlic yet and so I was um, I was watching your recent video when you were planting and I was like wait what was the thing that he did that he shouldn't have done he said he, he didn't want to do earlier and then you ended up going over in the video thankfully and so because I wasn't planning on planting garlic and onions together until you and I were talking about it again because that's what you did earlier in the year. And then later on, I was like, wait, what was the mistake that he said he made? Because I don't want to do that again. And so I'm glad that you came back around and mentioned it in in your video, but also here. Those things, it's kind of like, that's like, you know better. 
but something happens and you don't end up doing better. Yeah. You know? Um, so I get it. That happens. Right. My next one, and I hinted at this, was direct sowing summer crops. So I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of gal. Uh, so splitting. So I've done, you know, long and short of it, I've had a garden every year since 2008. 2019 is when my garden evolved into what it is today as far as size, right? 2020 is when I started uh, starting seeds in earnest. Like the majority of my garden is from things that I've grown. Um, And so I've played around with over these last four years, starting some things indoors, other things direct sowing, starting all things indoors, direct sowing very little. Uh, My preference, if I didn't have to worry about any other competing factors, would be starting the uh, direct sowing the most and then things that just won't have enough time, tomatoes, peppers, I'd start those indoors. Um, However, I had a lot of pest pressure this year and I recognized it pretty early on, but I didn't devise a plan that would allow me to continue to direct sow those summer crops. It was too late to be starting them inside by then. Direct sow those summer crops to beat those pests. So that ended up with very few things like, you know, squash, very few things like, um, you know, my, my beans just barely made it. Um, okra right you know so these are all things okra and squash that can be started indoors that probably is recommended to direct sow again my preference would be to direct sow it it's less work if it takes Mm -hmm. Um, but you know it didn't take and i wasn't doing like the all right it's 10 days later so again it's 10 days later that number you can make that up you know seven days later i didn't see anything pop so again melons complete flop all in all i did have one honeydew melon i had a handful of cantaloupe that did well um but i had that pest pressure and i kind of like sow things and it's like three weeks later i'm looking like oh wait hold on what happened yeah you know and so for those crops that need as much heat and as much summer as it can take you know as you know nature is willing to give it i didn't give those plants the best chance because they were getting started so late when the you know get the direct sowing finally took yeah the you know direct sowing is a love of mine and it, it's a difficult one as well i mean mm-hmm. it's like i always do it with the best intentions but it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with the watering desires of a freshly sowed seed mm-hmm. i mean i hate to say it like that but it's just it can be very difficult to do um so i, I feel your pain mm-hmm. and you know especially with squash and stuff like that um I did a couple different things. We'll, we'll get into that in another episode. But the squash actually wasn't as terrible as it could have been, but it still needs to be tweaked. So um, I feel like squash will always be on a fail list in this podcast. Always. It's just who's going to bring it up first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my second fail of the year, um, my green beans. I had total mm-hmm. crop failure of green beans this year. Um I noticed that I was getting a wilt and I'm pretty sure just based on simple research, I got fusarium wilt on my green beans and um, it was a little, I don't know. I was was real nonchalant about it because I was like, well, one plant's going and then another plant went and then another one went and then the other ones were doing good. And I, and 
I don't know how it occurred. I, what I'm assuming is I was kind of late to the game on treating for my Japanese beetles because, you know, they every year they attack them. Um, and I was just kind of I was wrapped up in a lot of different things this year and I didn't get to treating them as fast. And I think what happened is they ended up spreading the disease to the plant because that's, you know, that's one of the things with pests is they will, you know, they can spread disease and you've always heard that. But I mean, I got pretty decimated this year and I've had the same amount of pressure every year, but this one was a little bit worse and it just kind of occurred, but I never went out and replanted. I just kind of watched it and basically just watched a slow death of the entire trellis. Um, so I think what I'm going to do is I just, I have to tell myself next year, like the Japanese beetles are coming, spray the neem oil, take care of them, get rid of them. You know, um, I have to remember not to plant. I probably won't plant green beans on that trellis for a couple years, but luckily I have a, a, an abnormal amount of green bean or trellises in my garden. <laughs> so it shouldn't be that much of an issue, but it's one of those things where you want to, you know, I look back at it and I was like, I don't even know what I was thinking. Like, why did I not try and do that? Because I eliminated a huge portion of my canning for the year. You know, green beans are something that we depend upon pretty heavily for our mm-hmm. preservation needs. And by the time I was done canning all of my tomatoes, I never had time to come back. And usually it's like you can your tomatoes And then I go into canning green beans. And then after that, it's kind of like, what's next? You know, what else am I going to can? And this year, it almost, I skipped that whole period of green beans, which actually worked out because I ran out of cans because I had canned so many tomatoes and stuff like that. (laughs) So it wasn't terrible. Well, on the aspect of buying more jars, but at the same time, like I would love to have some green beans that we could have. And I just, I didn't, I mean, I probably picked maybe a handful this year but at the same time i kind of had my hands full and because you know i'm adjusting to having the garden the size garden that i'm having and i expanded Mm -hmm. this year as well Mm -hmm. so also doing that but um that was definitely a fail on my part and it's just a stupid fail that could have been avoided more than likely i mean they could have gotten fusarium wilt either way but i i just can't help but think that like of all the years I've heard, like, pests will spread disease, pests will spread disease, and then as bad as they were, there they go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it had to be what it was. So, the third one for me would be, and I've covered this in, in the YouTube world, so um, the visual is also there for those uh, that have checked out that video, um, but I enjoy talking about this with you because you're able to pour into me a thing that I, maybe I haven't even considered yet. Yeah. You know, about, you know, how do you, you get over that hump? Um, new garden spaces. So you talked about how you uh, expanded further this season. And. No, I expanded I, further at the end of the season. Yeah. That's, the that's important. Last season going in. Well, you just expanded further, but just last now. year you created new beds too right no i was fixing old beds okay um so i this is the lesson that you you know you relearn you got to give brand new garden spaces some time to become the garden space that you want it to be yeah sometimes out of the gate you have success sometimes you don't so the 
two in 2019 when I erected it build. I always feel like I'm overstating when I said build. So the metal garden beds in the front yard, when I assembled them is probably the proper term. I got dirt loaded, loaded into them. And I felt like they produced really well that year and then into the following year. Um, so these are brand new de- garden beds, brand new soil and compost, and they kicked butt. Right. You know, and so I wasn't fooled by that because that same time I built that four by four bed, it wouldn't bed in the backyard and it stumbled for a couple of years. So I recognize again, new spaces sometimes don't yield what you want. Sometimes you have to work at it. Right. And so those two narrow garden beds that I was just, I talked about them that entire winter until I built them last year. So 2020. 2022 the spring right dug out the soil and so this is the second year i've been growing in them and they have just kind of been like you know limping along right there's some things that do better than others right the the placement of the bed is a little bit odd you know because they're sitting inside of those other two longer beds right so there's definitely some sun and the literally the beds are shading this you know the taller metal beds are shading these little bitty dugouts or digouts that i've made and luckily i've not you know depended on those spaces as much but they also have contributed to um, you know, I wanted to basically grow things up the trellis from there and that didn't quite work out, you know. Um, so I think it's just that, again, reminder that no matter how well other parts of your garden, you know, is doing, when you introduce something new, you got to be conscious of what may or may not work there. Yeah. Right. You know, and so it almost feels like, oh, it's new soil. It should thrive. It doesn't have any of the pressures that you had, you know, growing previously. Ah, no, just a, you know, yeah. <laughs> all new soil isn't good soil. You know, whatever's already in that native soil. Because again, this wasn't, it's not a fresh bed that has all brand new soil. There's soil, like the original soil that was underneath my grass is primarily what's un- that's inside these little narrow beds. Um, so I'm up almost growing in the earth, you know, if you will. Um, so I'm now actually torn next year to kind of treat it as a, you know, almost nice to have, like if things do well, they do well or versus like, you know, counting on it again. It's almost yeah. a space where I feel like, you know, don't bet your bottom dollar on that one. You know? Yeah. I, I'm that's, I mean, I've got that t-shirt, you know what I mean? I wear it with pride. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, my struggle with the wild garden. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's and that's why I, I pointed out that it was important that we made it clear that I did not expand my garden in the beginning of the year, but wait until the season was over mm-hmm. because my hope because I had a lot of questions in the beginning. Like, are you going to expand your garden in the beginning of the season? I was like, no, I'm not. And I wanted to see how things would grow, how they would do. And when I was happy with them, then I decided that I would kind of go on and that's exactly what I've done. Um, so, you know, I added two more garden beds this year, um, or this fall, but that was a big thing is I, I really, and you know, next year I probably will not add anything else, mm-hmm. you know, I want to see. Um, so it's kind of, it does take time. And in my experience, it's actually the opposite is the first year is banger. 
because I got fresh, clean, soiled, never been mm-hmm. used. Everything's good. And then it's the years after trying to keep it going, keep it upright, keep it replenished and healthy and happy. That's the problem I have. But um, Yeah, and I've been tempted. So, again, remember, the difference is primarily – so these beds are so low. And, and as I talk about this, I've been tempted because I still have the material to build them up. So the first year, it was literally a landscape timber, which meant – it's like two inches, three inches of fresh soil. Everything else is the earth underneath, you know. So, again, my lawn that I've worked up a bit, right? But that's never grown anything since this house has been built but grass, right? Right. And it was dormant for the years I had it covered. I'm starting to bang on stuff. I'm starting to get Yeah, you're getting a little excited. This. Yeah. So Take it easy. And that first year was like, yeah, maybe we'll do some things. Some things like um, mustards. Like, they don't care where. They're growing in sewers. They don't care where you yeah. know, those seeds land, they're going to grow. So that's the thing. That's like... On one hand, like some things are like green and growing and other things are like, no, we need more. Right. So then this year I added one more landscape timber. So, again, it's probably another two inches of fresh soil I can add. So now maybe I'm at four inches. Right. You know, but still, once those roots get down, it's still that soil that was already there. Yeah. You know, so I'm tempted to, again, one, you know, because the space is so narrow, I'm literally talking about you know, an eight foot by 18 inch space on either side. So they're two, I even struggle calling them beds, right? You know, right. These two beds are one foot by, or eight feet by a foot and a half, right? You know, so I'm thinking about, and it's, it's not even a project, it's literally screwing in a couple of landscape timbers to again, give it more height to also compete with um, the bed that sits what are those beds? Those beds are a foot and a half. So that's where it is. You have one bed that's a foot and a half tall. And then you have this bed that's sitting on the inside of it. And it's like, where's my son? Right. And I knew that I would struggle once the trellis filled out because it basically is a shady spot. But these vegetables struggle before I even got to a full trellis, which is a whole different conversation. So anywho, um, I think it's I like the idea of when you added beds. I added a new bed this year in August. And if I had to do it over again, I would have done it, you know, probably like now going into next year. But it worked out well because I was still able to produce some things in these last couple of months of the year. Yeah. Um, what I final thing I'll say about the idea of these new garden spaces, it takes away your attention yeah. and time. Right? And that's you why know? I do it this time of year. Yeah. During now, the growing season. Yeah. Now I will tell you this as far as a content making situation, it's not a good idea because <laughs> most people are focused on growing their gardens, building gardens in the spring. But, you know, realistically, this is when things like this occur, especially around here. Um, and I mean, I was able to get them going and I've got stuff planted in them now. You know, I'll be harvesting out of them at some point. I might. I mean, if. If the person that's saying, hey, when do you all think we should, you know, expand and build a new bed? I'm going to always say the fall. Yeah. And the primary reason I'm going to say the fall is for a lot of us outside, at least, maybe not inside for preserving, but outside the garden is starting to slow down. Mm -hmm. Things are kind of, you know, on a slower pace. But also, and this is the most important, and I'm saying this from my experience and how I move. Boy, if I could do one thing to allow me to hit the ground running in the spring, 
the mm-hmm. amount of times that I've had so much work to do in the spring. This is the first year ever that I didn't wait to get all of my spring projects done before I started planting. Yeah. And when I've waited in years past, it's like, you know, almost June, I'm just getting stuff in the ground, you know, for summer. Um, so anywho, I, like for some of the warmer areas, when you hear this, it's still time, you know, especially if your ground hasn't frozen. Um, but if you're thinking about expanding and you're into next year, you know, remember us when you get to fall, because that's the time to start building stuff out. Yeah. And, and you know, um, actually, never mind. I'm not going to say it. I was going to say something, but I think I need to think about it more. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, planning is very important. And I know for somebody who's first starting out, they don't understand planning portion of it. It took me a long time to come up mm-hmm. with that and um, to figure it out. And I mean, I, I still don't have it figured out, but I'm starting to get it more, especially now that I'm at a place where um, where I'm living, where I don't plan on leaving. You know, like as I build these things out, I plan on staying for a while. You know, mm-hmm. so I can take my time doing it. It's not like a mad dash. I mean, the only thing that's impending would be like my death at some point in the future. And at that point, who cares what's going there? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't plan sure on. Don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't plan on anything changing. So you have time. But if you're somewhere where it's like really quick, got to go, then it's an issue. Um, so, yeah. All right. My next one is my corn. Epic fail. Uh, two things happened there. Uh, one, I don't think it got as much sun as it wanted. And I could tell that because of the way the corn was leaning. The um, other thing was the spacing. I should have put more in. Usually I don't have that problem. But for corn, it's very important that I had more planted. Mm-hmm. And actually, the third thing is I should have topped my beds off even more because of the compaction issue, which I'm going to be tackling pretty hard, um, hopefully next week. And um, just adding mounds of soil to that bed because the way that the garden or the plants work is they're, they don't really go. The roots don't really go super deep, the majority of them. So, and this is across the board for vegetables. So when I plant, you know, as my garden lowers and gets compacted, which I've definitely made some progress on, I'm going to add more soil to it. And then hopefully I can elevate that, you know, give those roots more space to grow while at the same time helping with that compaction. Um, I've Mm -hmm. identified a a limb on a tree which is a cluster becomes a cluster of limbs that causes a lot of shade in that garden. So I'm going to be removing that this winter. And then I had planted a pear tree at some point in um, years and years ago and never really got anything off of it. And I pulled one out and put a peach in. And then the other one, I left the pear there and it got the trees gotten big. And actually this year I saw one pear on it and then damn squirrel got it. So there's that. But I'm going to I'm either going to remove the tree or I'm going to cut it back dramatically to let that sun get in and penetrate. So um, but, you know, as far as the corn goes, the other issue I had when I planted it, I had put just topsoil down, which mm-hmm. was no problem with that. I, I believe in just adding topsoil periodically. And there was um, some weed seeds that were growing and they looked very similar to the corn. And it got to a point where I couldn't tell what was what. 
So I had to leave it and then I had to keep re-sowing. So everything was just out of whack. So this year I'm going to plant it heavy, water it heavy, and then let it go. And I'm also going to move it to a space where it is going to get the sun that it requires. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder of how um, a lot of our garden spaces have different sun um, displays, I guess I'd say, you know, so yeah. I'm looking now at a dark backyard. Well, I'm not actually looking at it compared to a sunny front yard. Yeah. Um, so my number four, and I'll spend just a minute here, it's trellising. Okay, so these are tied in together. Everything I described for the previous fail with those narrow beds greatly impacted my year three of a pretty empty trellis, which, let's see... No, year two, excuse me. So 2019, full trellis. 2020, full trellis. 2021, oh, it's so beautiful. And more importantly, it's producing, right? 2022 and 2023, womp, womp. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, vertical growing is important to my style of growing, my garden design, and it failed. And so I met the, the main uh, vertical trellis or trellises, the cattle panel in the front yard. But that wasn't enough. I had to fail with the very first garden bed in the front yard where it did a poor job, you know, with the beans and cucumbers I had. And then I met all both of those in my backyard makeshift trellis that I had beans. It did the job of growing and producing beans, but it was just in the tightest spot ever in my garden. Yeah. And it was so difficult to stay on top of something like beans that produce so quickly once it started going wild. So the trellis itself was a good idea. The placement was not. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. And I know the adjustments to make going into next year. So um, mine is, and I'm actually going to wrap up two and one here. Mm-hmm. So um, there, it's uh, my broccoli this fall. And then part of my potatoes in the spring. And there's a common factor here. So um, what I noticed with my potatoes, I, I got a good potato harvest. So my son had a potato bed and I had a potato bed. My potato bed did better than his potato bed, unfortunately. I would love to have had it the other way. Um, and this kind of goes into it as well. So I noticed on my potato bed that the plants um, were getting eaten. And I couldn't see what it was. And... I also noticed that my broccoli was wilting and couldn't figure out what was going on. So come to find out um, the potatoes, I ended up seeing that there was ants on them and fire ants. And now I've read on the internet that fire ant or ants in the garden are a good thing. They create pathways for water, you know, open it up, all that stuff. So you don't really want to mess with them. Um, but I noticed that the, the tomato, the potato would fall over whatever they chew through the stem. And then come to find out, I go through my broccoli. I originally thought I'd overwatered my broccoli because I, it was really hot and I didn't set my timer back. I even went on YouTube and talked about it. And then I saw a plant that was just dying back. And so I pulled it up and there was like no roots whatsoever. But guess what was in the soil right there? Ants. And I am convinced now that one, the people that talk about ants don't deal with fire ants because you would, if you stuck your hand in a garden bed full of fire ants, you would not like it, first of all. 
But second of all, I think they're eating the roots on my plants. I am convinced of it. I'm convinced because I, I mean, they were just all over the potatoes. So um, I actually sprayed neem oil on them and I think I knocked them back enough in my garden bed for the potatoes but not my son's garden bed so it kind of caused a little bit of an issue um, Mm because I didn't know what was going on but I think moving forward I am going to investigate a way to remedy them and get them out of my garden beds starting now because it's a common factor so at this point if I'm lucky, I'll get three heads of broccoli out of the 21 that I planted. That's, I mean, that's a total failure. The only reason why they're in the ground is because I don't care because I pull them up at some point and just let that bed rest. But that, that can't, that's not acceptable. So we've got to figure out a way around that. And I just think, and I've talked to a couple people there was a, there's a couple people in the um, more southern regions of the United States in the Facebook group that where I was talking to about, and they have they think that it's the same thing that, that fire ants or ants in general, but specifically fire ants and this are, are just not as good as people think. Anything in high concentrations can be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's you know kind of the whole shebang there. The saying too many of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and move to my final one. And then I do want to take two minutes before we wrap up on the theme that you all may have picked up on, but that I clearly can see as we walk through this. And this is the reason why these kind of episodes are important, I feel. Transitioning from season to season. Yeah like <laughs> it's tough it's it's transitioning from season to season is very hard yeah it's critically important for me to garden in all three seasons like that's the statement yeah and i have continued to stumble and i'm not really hard on myself about it i definitely recognize this as a flaw as a fail i continue to stumble through so a prime example and i shared this um in my video i pulled garlic out of a four by four bed in sometime in july i replanted that bed at the end of october yeah it's tough that's not by design that wasn't the plan yeah right you know i talked about when i pulled the garlic what i was going to plant next and i just never got back to it i pulled its sister bed the um potatoes out of its sister bed in august so july garlic came out august potatoes came out and neither of those beds were touched again until the end of october Mm. there's so much opportunity that was missed there um, but that ties into some of the other things that I noted as a fail here as well. Um, and that doesn't mean that every single garden bed needs to have something growing in it every all of the time. That doesn't mean that. Um, but what did I just say when I opened up with this one? You know, I want to be growing as much as I can in these spaces. Yeah. Uh, so. So, yeah, that that, um, you know, every time I walked outside and I looked at that bed like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, you know, and transitioning from season to season is an art. It's a true mm-hmm, art. Mm-hmm. And in the gardening world, I mean, you know, anybody can grow a tomato. But can you go from growing tomatoes to growing lettuce without it bolting? 
I think that's the true art that comes to it, you know, keeping the things alive and then timing the harvest to the right time. I think that's when you start putting things together. I think it makes a big difference and it takes a lot of practice. And unfortunately, you don't get a whole lot of chances at it, Mm -hmm. especially if you're buying seedlings. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. if you're growing Mm -hmm. seedlings, you got some chances, but it can get real expensive fast buying seedlings, especially Mm -hmm. in 2023. Who Mm -hmm. knows what's going to be in 24? So, look, I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. Now, we we do need to do a Spotify question of the day. Um, and the, the question of the day, I cannot find the original question, but I remember it mostly. So, I do apologize, whoever wrote it, but we're going to give you an answer. Um, they wrote something to the effect of, I've looked forever too, is why is it that every time you do your garden podcast, you talk about, vegetables but you talk about flowers as if they're evil and like we don't focus on flowers stuff like that is what i got out of it um do you that say ben why do you No, it was why don't we spend more time talking about flowers Mm. you want to go with that one flowers are my first flowers are my first love and i actually don't think they're as difficult as young Ben thinks they are um and that could just be because of you know the number of years I've been growing them right you know um and really in very intentionally right um or just the joy they bring me I don't know I just I mean it's you know the the backyard gardens world like it's food first if I'm just very very frank yeah I'm not offended by the question whatsoever I'm not either um, I I do think that now that the person brings it up, that pla- f- excuse me, flowers pl- they play such a small world in our dialogue. I mean, how about the answer is yeah, you're right, and I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you that I think that flowers are beautiful and they are important. They definitely have a place, but um. As far as the gardening world goes, in my opinion, and when this podcast was started, I mean, food focused was what it was because providing for yourself and your families and learning about where your food comes from, I felt and still feel and will always feel like it is very, very important. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think that flowers play a vital role in all of it too be it a marigold a sunflower or whatever you know it they provide things to help your garden you know what i mean and so um i think that the backyard gardens platform was always built on the idea of food first and i know and we've talked about flowers before and it seemed like people didn't really want to listen as much so that's kind of what drives the way we talk about it. But um, I could, and the thing is, is where Batavia grows and I grow, there is a total difference in flowers that we can grow. I can grow stuff down here that she could only dream about growing and vice versa for that matter. Um, I know in colder climates, it's a lot more forgiving to grow because, I mean, it gets so hot. You know, it's my dad was out. He came down and he was helping me do something. And when I cut wood, I have a little table I pull out in front of my garage and he's standing out there cutting wood. We're in the backyard working, but we're cutting wood in the front. And I told him, I said, 
dad, you got about an hour and it's going to get really hot. We need to stop. You know, this is the summer and he's like, no, it'll be all right. He's standing out front cutting wood. And he's like, he's like, damn son, it's like Africa hot out here. I can't stand here and do this. (laughs) And the front, my front yard is so hot. For some reason, I had to pull all the plants out and go to a more tropical planting for that mm-hmm. so we could have them survive. So that's something that, you know, we, we have to deal with. And, you know, I think that flowers, like, again, flowers are just vital, but I think food is important because that's what we, you know, sustain off of. I hope you're um, embellishing your memories and memory is embellishing the question like it's a part of it you said it was like that we talk about them as if they're evil that's never it, the there the was something I like give. that but yeah i've never mm-hmm. it was something like that where it was i think evil was in it and i don't ever remember talking about it like it was evil but i remember talking at one point like it was easy years and years and years ago and then as i got more into it i was like hold up these you know this is when the zones and stuff really kick into high gear and you've got to know your zones and a lot of the problems i've had too is i'll buy flowers and they're not meant for our zones like the gardening centers sell them mislabeled or embellish the label and then you plant them and they look good and then they just don't come back you know Mm-hmm. They're labeled as perennial on a good year when you might have a zone nine year when really you're in zone eight A. Yeah, <laughs> that's happened a lot. And there's actually a really big plant um, nursery here, an independent one that is famous for selling plants that they have no business selling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was unfortunate they have a fifty percent off sale. So you know we go up there every year and try and buy stuff. And they had one plant that I mean it was an eye catcher. It was a uh, trumpet plant, and they all had their trumpet flowers on there. They were big, and you know good and damn well it's, it's a it's going to be a tough go through the winter for them, you know. And I was like, kept my wife was like Kelly, she's like, let's get one. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't touching that thing with a ten foot pole, man. You might as well. I'd get more joy out of burning my twenty bucks than buying that and putting it in the ground. So I mean, it, it's always one of those things, but no, I think you know. Flowers are important, and maybe we'll do an episode in the future about them. We'll let Batavia take the reins on that one, because I'm along for the ride with that. Yeah. (laughs) I might be able to tell you all about wildflowers soon, though. We'll see. So, anything else? Mm. No? Okay. I don't think so. So, if you guys want to leave a question, you can feel free to do so on Spotify, um, if you want to leave on any other platform we have, it can be Facebook, it can be um, Sandy Bottom Homestead on YouTube or Be Better Garden on YouTube. Just let us know. And you can even put Spotify question. That'll trigger us to look at it and remember to put it on the show. We would love to have it. We enjoy answering your questions of any type, even feedback. We'll talk about it. Um, that being said, know your zones, everybody, because they're not important. <laughs> <laughs> and check out the link below for planter app and teespring where all the swag and new hats and stuff are on there with lower prices and until next time learn to grow and grow for change see ya now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time all over the world people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in 
thanks for checking out the show. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash backyard gardens, or you can be an Apple subscriber. And in both of those, you'll get an extra episode every month. You can also make a one-time PayPal donation with the link below, and you can get all kinds of gardening gear, like t-shirts and mugs and cups from the link below at Teespring. And we have an Amazon store, which has all the products that we use and recommend in our gardens, and it helps support our show. And we also add to this list periodically, so be sure to check it out periodically to see if there's anything that you need for your garden. Everything that you do, including a like and a subscribe and even a review, will help us learn to grow and grow for change. See ya.